0: Welcome, Cap fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Are you ready for another episode of Forward Capital Crusaders? Here's what we have in store for you on Episode 8. We open the show by checking in on men's tennis with head coach Cody Hurley. The team didn't get to play a match in its return season, but there is still much to be excited for for this upcoming fall. Our alumni spotlight begins our trek on the links. Elise Duplin, class of 2010, takes us down memory lane with some of the early days of the women's golf program. After halftime, we bring you our feature piece. I sat down with assistant SID Ray Delgado to talk about the 1980 men's golf team and the anniversary of its historic season that landed the Crusaders, a conference championship, and deep NCAA tournament run. Then we'll tap it in and wrap up the program with our senior spotlight. We welcome recent grad from the women's golf team, Miss Sydney Kelly. Let's roll. Hey, Cap fam. Welcome to another edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. We are kicking off today's program by getting back into our spring sports, and well, I guess technically they're both fall and spring, but the majority of their season is in the spring. And so we're talking with the head coach of the Capital Men's Tennis Team, Cody Hurley. Cody, uh, what a year, right? I mean, we're, we're kind of entering that time of the year in which conference championships were to be wrapping up. The NCAA tournament host sites were probably gearing up for guests, and yet here we are chatting on the phone. So what are you up to in this time And uh, as we're beginning the return back to normal?
1: Um, you know, for me, I I graduated from Ohio Northern and I uh coached at Ohio Northern before I came to Cap. So I and I still live in Ada. So unfortunately, I'm in Ada. Um, <laughs> I, I miss Columbus a lot. Um, if it gives you any perspective. There's grain silos in my backyard. So I um <laughs> not a lot to do out here, but I, I'm I'm doing the best I can to get by.
0: Now, you did say that there is sort of an unintended benefit to being out there in Ada, and that's you're probably in the safest county as far as this COVID is concerned. And the greatest asset is that there are no people around you.
1: You know, that's correct. But let me tell you, it's quite boring.
0: (laughs) Well, I I tell you, and this is something that me and my friends, my my girlfriend, we talk about a lot, you know, the, the greatest gauge to see where you are in society is how far away are you from the nearest target? So that, there's your first question. How far away are you from the nearest target?
1: Uh, we are about an hour away from the nearest target. The closest ones are either Perrysburg or Dublin. So take your pick.
0: <laughs> well, at least one of those puts you a little bit closer to Columbus. So I, if I were you, I'd be picking that one. I I would have to agree with you there. <laughs> now, I know that it's kind of been in the air um, And if you searched around, could you find public courts to play on? Or has that been something that's been a challenge as we've navigated the last couple of months? And this is talking strictly, you know, you personally being uh, around and trying to get some reps in.
1: Well, you know, the bigger city you're in, the more difficult it is. Uh, What I found is that, you know, especially in the Columbus area, I have tons of friends in Westerville, Hilliard different you know suburbs like that where they have closed off all public courts um including high school courts uh just because there were large gatherings of individuals um luckily where i am in ada they have 17 courts here and none of them have been um closed off there's signs here that say you know practice social distancing and i guess for tennis you know we automatically practice social distancing when we're playing so um you know that's that, for me, I've, I haven't had issues, but I know a lot of other people that I know around the state have had lots of issues trying to get out and play.
0: Yeah, I know that some of the park systems have actually taken down their nets very similarly to how they take down the hoops on a basketball hoop. And yet those dang pickleballers come out with their own equipment and you know get into our courts. So I guess it just depends on what you're trying to play.
1: Well, exactly. I actually, I've had a few players on my team who instead have been playing pickleball, which, you know, I so i i said fine you're out there you're doing something so that that's fine with me
0: <laughs> I, I you know and a lot of people probably don't know the game of pickleball we're we're supposed to be talking about tennis but you know here we are <laughs> talking pickleball i mean for those that don't know it's kind of like ping pong meets tennis on a very short court is are there transferable skill sets that you know some of the guys can use when playing pickleball that might be useful when training for tennis
1: Definitely with the hand eye coordination and it actually takes a lot more footwork than you would think but um and then another thing I would say would be discipline and finesse as well. you have to you know I when I was at northern, we went to a spring break trip and our we we just played pickleball for two hours, and I kept hitting it out over and over and over again because I was trying to hit it so hard and so it's a lot more finesse and touch and um so there's lots of benefits it's just you know, you're not you're using a smaller racket and it's not a tennis ball. But I mean, there's definitely benefits.
0: Now, I've also been told for people like me that have limited mobility, especially in these. This is also a good game. Is, is that
1: true? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I actually think it's it's going to be I think it's a great sport for um, I'm not going to say your elderly, Ryan. But for, but I appreciate for, that.
0: I didn't want to be clumped in there either. So. <laughs>
1: I would say definitely people who are not as mobile anymore or just, you know, my, my grandparents used to play tennis in their 70s. And this is, I think, you know, it's difficult to do. And I think it's going to allow people um, an opportunity to play something like tennis, but, you know, way less mobility involved.
0: Excellent. Now we're talking with first year head coach Cody Hurley and the men's tennis team. Cody, when you were announced as the head coach back in winter, there were a lot of people and an alumni excited to have men's tennis return back to the quarter after a couple year hiatus. Can you tell us about the excitement level that you and the guys shared as each day brought you a little bit closer to the team's first competition in nearly two years?
1: I I mean, we were ecstatic. I mean, we were so excited to get going. Um we're, it, it, we're a small team. We were a small team this year. we just six guys, which kind of helped us uh, kind of grow a bond. But we were every single day. We had a countdown every single day was, you know, one day closer to us getting back in action to competitive tennis. Um, but that also made uh, COVID-19, you know, canceling the season hurt that much more.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it right there. You know, life has different plans sometimes. And so instead of competing in the spring, we have to continue that drum roll all the way into the fall. So what do you tell the guys that are hoping to compete in the fall uh, to help them stay engaged, stay in shape, and, and frankly stay motivated to make that comeback in the fall?
1: Well, one of the big things that I communicated with them over the past month was just finish strong academically. And that was one of the big focuses. I said, you know what? leave tennis, just, you know, don't worry about tennis or anything like that. Focus on school, get through school. Uh, And we did really well in that area. We finished with an average team GPA of a 3.65. So we were really happy about that. Uh, And, but then now that school's over and they have more free time, um, that we we use stretching bands. They've been using those bands to kind of stay loose and um, try to work on their flexibility. Uh, And then also I've kind of told them, I said, Try to unwind and relax a little bit. If you can get out, go for it. I know the weather's been kind of not the greatest so far to start the, the spring and towards the summer, but I've just told them to try to enjoy life right now, and if you can get out there, great. If you can't, try to enjoy time with your family.
0: Yeah, between coronavirus and, and the forecast in a typical Ohio spring, it's been pretty tough to to get out there, but hopefully they can over the next couple of months since we have all that extra time to prepare. Now, one of the guys that I know that I was looking forward to see return is Graham Green, uh, who was a diamond in the rough that we uncovered in his freshman year, and he went on to earn first-team all-conference honors, having just played in that spring season a couple of years ago. Talk to us about Graham as you've gotten to know him, the kind of player he is, and, and maybe even the kind of person that he is.
1: Graham's special. I mean, I think he's very special. A lot of people don't know much about him on campus, but in my personal opinion, I will, well, I'll tell you this much. If this puts into perspective his talent level, um, he's a four-time state qualifier in high school. His team played for the state championship at New Albany High School several years during that time. And then when he came to Capitol... Um, In his freshman season alone, he defeated the 2017 player of the year quite handily then the 2018 player of the year quite handily in the same season. Uh, He only gave up um, three. The most games he gave up in a set was three against either of those players. So um, he has established quite the dominance there. Um, And when I – it was kind of funny, actually, when in 2017 um, we played against him when I was on Ohio Northern's team in the OAC quarterfinals. Um, here at ONU. And that's when he beat um our number one player at Northern and really established himself as a force to be reckoned with in the conference. And, in my, and after coaching him, I mean, I've only thought even more of him. I think he's an unbelievable player. His serve is his best asset. Um Sometimes he can get up to 110, 15 miles per hour on that serve. And then another thing about him that no one really, you know, thinks about is his academics. He finished with a 4.0 GPA this semester, um, and honestly, he's just a well-rounded, really great kid, and he works really hard, and it's a, it's honestly a blessing to be coaching him. And I think another good comparison is um, I don't think the capital program has seen a player like
0: him since Doug De Rosario back in, I think, the early 2000s. Well, we had Doug on the program a couple weeks ago and we know what kind of a quality career and human being he had and, and still is to this day. So that's quite a lofty comparison there. So we'll certainly be looking forward to having Graham return, hopefully in the fall. Now, what about the other guys? I mean, we never really got to do a season preview. So name a couple of the guys that you were really looking forward to see compete and grow and what makes them special.
1: So there's definitely two guys that stand out. And one of them I've known actually for nine years and I coached him in high school. His name is Eric Nangle. Um, he went to center, he went to Centerville high school in Dayton, which is where I grew up and graduated from. And I actually had no idea, but he came to Capitol wanting to play college tennis, but that's when the program was suspended. So he didn't get to play. And then when I was hired, he texted me and said, Cody, you know, I'm at Capital, right? I said, no way. So it was kind of crazy. Um, but he was going to be Graham's doubles partner this year. They made a very strong team um, and he had, he dealt with some injuries, but um, when he got healthy again, he was going to be a real asset for us at probably the number two or number three singles position. And then another part of the process was trying to find guys to fill the team and we got his roommate out there and his name is Nathan Hartler. and Nate Nate is a special kid too he actually he went to a very small high school pittsburgh high school they didn't have they didn't even they were so small they didn't even have a football team but his dad played college tennis and he had never played competitive tennis before but he went out there and he and he was beating most of the guys on our team that played in high school um and he was going to play probably around Uh, the third singles, second doubles uh, positions for us. And he also um, was named academic all OAC as well. And now we had never had it. We haven't had a player do that since 2016 for our program. So that was, he's also made a great impact as well. And I look forward to seeing what Eric and Nate do next year.
0: And Nate also has probably, he's going to be placed on the all beard team too. At least the last time I saw him, he was all beard material.
1: Yeah. What we like to say is fear the beard. That's what we say. So um
0: (laughs) there's a lot of fear going on right there there is a lot of fear you know (laughs) and we sit here in may and we wonder where the heck the month has gone and really even april too so logic says that we'll probably be saying the same thing when we're in august so let's assume that we're back and fall sports are on what will the makeup of the crusaders roster be in the fall
1: That's a good question. And it's been, I think the virus has presented a lot of challenges for coaches all across the country. But especially I know the coaches that I'm close to on our coaching staff here at the Cap Fam. It's been challenging because there's a lot of financial crisis going on in our country. And there's a lot of kids. I have about seven kids who are accepted. But whether or not, you know, it's going to end up being financially feasible for them to come because of the virus. Um, it's kind of up in the air, um, so you know I'm we're still I'm still waiting to hear on several kids make their official decision, but I can say that we have three official commits coming into the fall, um, and one is a very very talented player from Pennsylvania that we're very excited to have.
0: Excellent. And the good thing is too that we didn't have any graduating seniors from this past year's team, so in theory, should they all return, it could be another full roster coming back. For the fall we're talking with men's head tennis coach Cody Hurley and so Kurt, uh, Cody you are the you are still the newest member of the cap fam coaching staff so it's time to learn a little bit more about you you're still in your early 20s pretty young for a head coach so what's it like to get such an opportunity at such an early age or in an early stage of your coaching career
1: honestly it's a blessing and i when i was little and growing up uh, i i graduated with a sports management degree i've always wanted to be a head coach and i got started i've coached a different i've co- i still coach for nike and for wilson and i travel around the country over the summer normally to coach for different coaches unfortunately this summer a lot of those camps were canceled but then i also i i coached the high school level at centerville and then also staying in ada i coached at ADA high school as well um and I always wanted to be the head coach of college. I always did. And then I was the assistant coach at Northern this past year. And my head coach there said, hey, uh, they just announced the Capitol is opening their position again. And I said, seriously? So I said, I, I got to go for it. I went for it and I got it. And honestly, I I could not be happier. It's, it's a tremendous blessing. And a funny story for you, too, is when I came um, for my first day, I came into the office. And I was walking around, and actually, one of the coaches thought I was a student, and asked me, <laughs> and asked me uh, if I was lost. And I said, "No, my office is right down there." So, <laughs> so I, uh, so it's awesome. It's, it's. I feel way younger than everybody else in the office. Sometimes I feel like I'm like it's still a kid, but uh, it's it's an incredible opportunity, and it means a lot to me. Excellent.
0: So now for those that are on the outside and, you know, want to learn more about coach Hurley, as far as his philosophy is concerned, you know, what do you tell a potential student athlete about yourself, about the team, the style of play that you like to encourage, you know, kind of give us your little rundown of, you know, what would your expectations be? Well, first and foremost, one of the guys,
1: one of the things that I tell the guys all the time is every day I want them to emulate a championship mentality. And that's something that we talk about every single day. And that goes beyond tennis. That goes with academics. And we really take academics seriously. And I think our GPA of a 3.65 showed that. Um, I want our guys to be known for their ac- strong academics and strong accomplishments on court. We didn't get to show that this year, but it is what it is. However, you know, I'd say for me, the biggest thing for me is I just want you to go out there and compete your hardest, but the most important thing that I found success in my career is bringing out, to bring the best out of each athlete, you have to get to know them at a real personal level um, to the point where they believe in themselves, and they also understand that you, they you believe in them just as much, and I think that's really helped me find success with coaching student-athletes. So I tell recruits, if they come here, you're not just coming here to be a tennis player. You're coming here for all sorts of other different reasons, which, why, which is another reason why I think, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of success here in the
0: com- next coming years for our program. Excellent. So we're going we're to hit you with some quick hitters here. Um, all right. As far, I know that you're from Ada, but you've kind of made your second home here in Columbus. As far as the courts that you've experienced, who has the nicest courts, indoor or outdoor?
1: I would have to say Ohio State at the Varsity Tennis Center. Those are second to none. Those are fantastic.
0: For the casual tennis player, what is the best piece of free advice that you can give them?
1: That's a tough question. Um, I would have to say never give up. Keep trying. It's a difficult sport, and you're going to lose your patience a lot, so never give up.
0: Now, how did you get into tennis?
1: Well, I grew up in Centerville, Ohio, in Dayton, but my grandparents lived in Columbus for a very long time, and I actually, they taught me at Swim and Racket Club in Upper Arlington. So I actually, when I was around five or six years old, they took me out there over the summers, and that's where I began learning how to play uh, over at Swim and Racket Club.
0: Did you play any other sports while you were growing up? Oh, so many. I played volleyball,
1: football, basketball. I played, I ran track. I did volleyball. I swam. played soccer, I think, too. So I did
0: pretty much everything, but tennis is what I was best at. Sounds like you were an incredibly expensive kid with sports camps. You, I, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> so what about your best sports movie or your favorite sports movie? I really like The Blind Side. That's a solid one. Now, I am not familiar with any, but you may be. Are there any tennis movies that are out there? And do you have a recommendation?
2: So
1: there is a movie that came out in 2017 that has Emma Stone and Steve Carell in it called Battle of the Sexes. And it's supposed to be, it's kind of a comedy about um, the tennis match between Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King back in the 70s, which was the Battle of the Sexes, what it was called and so it's kind of like it's a it's it's a movie depicting that, but it's, it's supposed to be kind of a comedy with those actors. And then there's a documentary I really like um, called uh, Raising Aces, the Williams sisters story. So um, I, I, I really like that documentary, but there's not a lot of tennis movies, to be honest with you. Gotcha.
0: Now, how about favorite athlete?
1: For me personally, it's Serena Williams.
0: And Why? Well, you know,
1: people that get to know me personally, they know that I've gone through a lot of challenges uh, over the past four years. Both of my parents recently passed away when I was in college and Serena Williams has overcome a ton of adversity in her career, yet she's now she's kind of well known as, uh, you know, she's up in that kind of, she's reached that level where people view her as one of the legendary athletes of all time. And I kind of view her as an inspiration for myself because she's had to overcome so many different challenges in her career, yet she still always um, is the best player out on the court. And so that's why I look up to her.
0: Now, what are you currently binge watching on Netflix, Hulu, or whatever? The Office. (laughs) (laughs) That show never dies, does it? It does not. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that's on deck after you get through however many seasons of The Office there are?
1: Uh I'm going to rewatch Stranger Things.
0: That's a solid one as well in two very very different genres.
1: <laughs> yes, I I during quarantine I'm needing a good laugh. So that's why I'm watching The Office right now. But um <laughs> to get me
0: through the boredom. Now are you a, a Netflix guy, a Hulu guy, Amazon Prime or is there something else? I actually own
1: all of those. So um, it kind of varies in what I want to watch, but I would say Netflix is usually my go to. All
0: right. I, I'm right there with you. I, and, in fact, Hulu just got me for the whole bundle between that, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus. So I am like deep down the rabbit hole.
1: That's dangerous. <laughs> it is. It
0: is. But I have options of plenty. How about favorite musical artist, band, or group? Post Malone. There's another one out of left field that I didn't see coming. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you can meet any any person in all of history, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Serena Williams. And for the reasons I gave you earlier, I, I just really look up to her a lot.
0: Excellent. How about the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: The best piece of advice I've been given, it's kind of more of a quote for me, but it would be that a champion – is kind of defined by how they overcome their downs and how they overcome challenges in their career. So we talk when I talk. and so how I translate that into coaching is I tell my guys, you know, learn from your losses, learn from your mistakes, and that's how you're going to get better in life. And it kind of translates. You could translate that into anything in life, including your career, um, anything you're aspiring to do. So that's the best advice that I've ever received.
0: And we'll wrap it up with, maybe the most obvious question, and that is, what is your favorite thing about Capital?
1: Well, first of all, I love the location, but most importantly, what I love the most about Capital is the camaraderie and the hashtag CapFam. It's a very real thing. We talk about it in almost every, everything we do, and I, that's what I love about it. When I came to Capitol, I was welcomed right away, and I feel very, very um, blessed to be here at Capitol.
0: Uh, It seems to be a constant theme, making its reality all that much more powerful. Cody Hurley, the head coach of the Capital Men's Tennis Team, joining us here on the Capital Alumni Spotlight. Coach Hurley, thank you so much for joining us today, giving us your insight and sharing a little bit more of you with us. Even though we didn't get to do that this spring, we look forward to doing so this upcoming fall.
1: Thank you very much,
0: Ryan. Go Cap. All right, that is Cody Hurley, the head coach of the Capital Men's Tennis Team. We'll take a quick break and move it on in to our next segment of Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome, Cat fam, into our alumni spotlight, and we are going to kick off a golf-heavy episode in a very very good way we bring into the program from the class of 2010 former women's golfer Elise Duplin and so first and foremost welcome Elise to the program believe it or not golf is still a fairly young program in the history of capital athletics and it really didn't become a varsity program until the turn of 2000 so when you came to capital Did you feel like you were contributing to the foundation of what was then Capital's newest program?
3: Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Uh, And secondly, uh, I did. So I definitely wasn't by any means the best player. Um, I had a pretty big struggle my first year adjusting from, you know, high school to collegiate golf. But um, I'd like to think what I lacked in skill I made up for with uh, just camaraderie and leadership. Um, just trying to show up, you know, practice with the team and on my own to improve, um, go to workouts that coach Briggs organized and really, um, more than anything, try and make sure the other girls on the team felt, um, included and like, like we were, you know, a team,
0: you know, you, you mentioned coach Briggs and, when capital people hear her name or a lot of even recent grads hear her name they it's synonymous with volleyball but we often forget that the late coach briggs actually was very very much responsible for the start of the women's golf program at Capital. so talk to us about her um as a golf coach because volleyball court and golf course two very, very different atmospheres.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, anybody who knows Coach Briggs knows she was very competitive, no matter the sport. Um, She could definitely be tough, but she had a different coaching style with us, uh, with the golf team. When we lost, you could tell she wanted us to be better and encouraged us, but you know uh she's not out there shouting and yelling like she probably would on the volleyball court um you know she knew how to coach each one of us individually so she knew who you know she could kind of push to improve who just needed a quick pep talk or who needed a high five and a snack in between holes um and but i mean you know it just comes down to volleyball and golf while they're very different they still have kind of those same basis of, uh, you know, relying on one another to succeed, uh, showing accountability and encouraging one another. And she did a great job of that both on and off the course.
0: So was... Coach Briggs, was she capable of the volume of the golf clap or was there no difference in that volume of
3: clap? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think she was a little more intense with that. Um, you know, she had a couple times that uh, tiger fist bump if if one of us nailed a, a putt or hit a good shot. Uh, for sure, there was a little bit more of a degree of intensity, but uh, overall she, you know, she
0: followed the etiquette pretty well. <laughs> That is no surprise that the Tiger fist pump was in full effect there. Now, take us back a little bit and talk about the teams that you played on. You played from 2006 through the 2010 season. Uh, You were a captain your senior year, and you lettered all four years that you were here. Who was alongside of you for that four-year ride? Talk talk to us about some of the cast of characters that you played with. Sure.
3: So um, when I first came on and pretty much through my entire golf career, I played with Emily Fothergill. And Emily was um, one of the best and most successful golfers on the Capitol women's team. Uh, she, I looked up to her from day one, but she had a great swing and super consistent. And she just made golf look easy. And uh, I always was so impressed with how poised and disciplined she was. And she was just no other way of putting it. She was like a boss on the court course. So uh, I, again, was really thankful to have a great uh, leader with her. And then um, I came in with a class of a couple girls that played for the basketball team um, under uh, Coach Jeffers. Uh, Mackenzie Thompson and Chelsea Ruoff. So Chelsea, uh, another great player. She didn't stick. She didn't stay on the golf team very long, but I really enjoyed getting to know her. And then Mackenzie Mack Thompson. uh, She came and played for us for a few years, actually, um, later on in our careers. And uh, she was tough and competitive as heck. And uh, she was she provided a lot of comedic relief for us as well. So and then um, some of the younger girls, uh, Natalie Redaway and Becca Borges, uh, they were younger, but, man, they were power hitters. And they were both great golfers. And oftentimes they'd be, you know, on in the 2-3 spot pretty consistently uh, every week. And then um, another group of girls, Taylor Rindler, Tiffany Seymour, and Tanya Gruelwright, uh, they all came in right as I was, you know, a senior Um, and they were great golfers too. They picked up quickly after joining the team and they had, you know, great attitudes and were really competitive. And that's really all these girls were great to play with. And they all, um, had that, that competitive nature that I'm sure coach Briggs was looking for when
0: she recruited all of us. It's amazing that such an individual sport can breed such camaraderie and mm-hmm. you and the teams back then were no exception. Now we need to talk to you about your game. You are the subject of this spotlight <laughs> after all, at least Duplin class of 2010, at least characterize your game. I mean, what were your strengths and, and how did you go out and approach the course?
3: So I would say short game, a hundred percent. Um, What I lacked off the tee, I made up for with my chipping and putting. Uh, My swing was pretty unorthodox for a few years, and uh, it really kind of made my iron game rough uh, because they didn't have that power. So I kind of compensated. Uh, I had a few woods that my aunt had given me, and uh, when I used them in the fairway, I was pretty reliable there. But Really when it came down to 50 yards out, um, I had my trusty pitching wedge um, and my tailor-made putter that I'd had from high school. And those were always my go-tos around the green. I spent, I can, I can remember very vividly spending a lot of time on my short game because it felt comfortable and I knew I was better at it. And I have the same putter. I have the same grip so uh, my coach in high school uh, owned a golf course and he uh, gripped he put a new gripper or a grip on my putter when I was a junior senior in high school and it's falling (laughs) apart it it probably doesn't even grip anymore but it's I it's a psychological thing I can't I can't replace it.
0: And I think every athlete understands that. This is Elise Duplin, class of 2010, <laughs> women's golfer for Capital back in the day. Not that long ago, though. So let's take a trip back down through memory lane. Why Capital? What brought you to us from North Canton, Ohio?
3: So I always knew I wanted to golf in college. Uh, My aunt was a four-year Letterman at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, and uh, she was one of the first golf, the first golfer to earn a Title IX grant in aid, which was a huge deal uh, to our family. And then her daughter ended up playing at Youngstown State for four years. So basically, golf was always in the cards. Um, It's a huge sport for my family. So. I was down between Capitol and Baldwin Wallace um, and I came down to visit coach Briggs in the fall, uh, right before graduating. And, you know, after meeting with her and touring the campus, just something about uh, you know, the, that life, the capital life, and I wanted to be a part of it. So I made my decision in the spring and uh, the rest is history. Coach
0: Briggs, the ultimate saleswoman, she got you too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that she was.
0: So, what, so you said that you were always thinking about being a student athlete. You know, at what point in time do you mm-hmm. realize that you wanted to really make this a serious commitment for you beyond high school?
3: I think it was probably between my junior and senior year in high school. Uh, I was playing really well and um, I was, you know, enjoying golf. And I, like I said, I I grew up uh, playing golf with my aunt and my cousin who were huge inspirations for me. So um, I think, you know, a culmination of all those things. And I just knew if I could pull it off, if I could golf and also, um, do well academically that I definitely wanted to try that. So
0: now I know that this is an incredibly dangerous question when we ask it and it involves an athlete, but what kind of special memories do you have with your teammates, whether they're on or off the course?
3: (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, there's so many memories and I guess, you know, I'll give you some vague answers, but some of the best memories, uh, for me were when we were driving in the big, uh, silver capital university van to and from tournaments, and just all the goofy things we 'd do in the van, um, and you know we really loved staying at the hotels if we got an overnight trip that was like super special and a lot of fun um, there one time i I think there 's a picture out there somewhere uh, the van broke down. <laughs> And the muffler fell out and one of the girls was like dragging it across the parking lot. And of course, we were just laughing and I'm sure coach was not too pleased, but, uh, you know, handled it with poise, of course, but just also too um our practices you know we got to go out and practice on some great courses in the columbus area and even when we got to go hit in the bass uh the baseball cages uh in the cap center that was a lot of fun and um training with the volleyball team in the off season we were both in off season and coach would have us come in and do training sessions so um You wouldn't think those were a lot of fun, but those are some of my fondest memories.
0: It's always amazing how when we talk to alums, those car rides, bus rides, they always are very, very vague in detail.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably (laughs) for a good reason.
0: (laughs) Got to keep the mystery alive. So what about capital in general? As you look back, I mean, life was more than just about athletics. So what do you remember best about capital, um, its people, or, or what have you?
3: Capital, um, honestly, gave me probably some of the best years of my life. I have some lifelong friends from Capital. My husband, I met him at Capital, so obviously that's probably one of my favorites. Um, but just, just I guess everything from the campus to, um, you know, having our our house that we lived lived off of Sheridan a few years and the the roommates I had there, um, the teammates, Um, just going to the Cap Center for football games, basketball games, uh, just going up to coach's office to, you know, hang out and chit-chat. Just There's just something about capital. Um, And even my professors, I was a psychology major, and um, just everybody – took genuine interest in you and you really did feel like uh you were part of a family there so um i'll always it will always hold a very special spot in my heart
0: talking with class of 2010 elise duplin former women's college golfer or women's golfer on the capital team and so elise let's uh talk about where you are now most cap grads find their way through the gates and do so successfully what are you up to (laughs) nowadays
3: So, about a month after graduating, I uh, landed a job at a company called Green Circle Growers, and they're out of Oberlin, Ohio. I am a sales account manager for them. So, I sell plants and flowers to retailers all over the country, and I've been with them for 10 years now. So, um, I've done that, and then um, I A few years back, I just completed my MBA from Walsh University, which was a big goal of mine, uh, and my MBA in leadership, and then about a year and a half ago, I married my um, college boyfriend, um, Justin Fox, and we got married, and this past year just had our First daughter, Amora K. Oh,
0: congratulations. That is a very jam-packed year, year and a half that you had there.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, and we moved. We moved, by the way. We used to live right off Sheridan, and now we've moved out
0: to the country. So. Okay. Well, that, yeah, again, very jam-packed year and a half. It, it, never, it never ceases to amaze me. It seems like I have handpicked the alums that have somehow found their better half or their other half right there in Capitol. I mean – Let's go down that rabbit yep. hole. How'd you guys meet? Was he an athlete? Yeah, you know, let's let's go down <laughs> oh, there. gosh.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So uh we actually met in the first class of freshman year, the very first day. Uh it was Professor McKay's oral com class. I think it was in Yokum. And um Uh, We met in that first class. I think he used the line, the classic, uh, hey, I forgot my pencil. Do you have one I can borrow? (laughs) So uh, real slick. So um, he was a football player. He came in uh, to play football. And, uh, yeah, we just, uh, we dated for about three years in college. And then we actually took almost an eight-year hiatus. So we didn't talk From about 2010 to 2007 and then we kind of reconnected as fate would have it and dated briefly and got engaged and married all within
0: about a year. And here we are. So, Man, what a story. It never ceases to amaze. Uh, Going back to what your day-to-day is now, I mean, it's gotten a little bit more complicated with child and husband and moving, but what what is a normal day for Mm -hmm. you? And and especially how has that uh, been different now that we're in the, I guess you could call it COVID era? Right.
3: Well, um, you know, I think... One of the biggest blessings for us was we moved out to the country. Uh, We live in Johnstown, Ohio. Now Uh, we moved just a couple months prior to all of this happening. So uh, like I said, the biggest blessing for us is just being out in the country. We have some land around us now, so it's really been kind of an incubator for us and a nice relief and um, just spending time on our new house and different projects here and there. We also, um, we're big boaters we boat up on lake erie so uh you know we're spending kind of getting ready for boating season and trying to do that in the best social distancing possible way but um you know we're still trying to do the things that we love and um you know in a safe manner obviously
0: now do you still get to go out and shoot off a round or two every now and then or is that kind of taking a back seat and with time
3: well, last year I didn't get many rounds in, being pregnant and all. So I actually am really having the itch to get out. And uh, we just where we moved, there's about three courses within a five, ten minute drive from us. So um, I definitely would like to pick that back up. Um, and especially my husband likes to golf as well. So I'm hoping to do more of that. And of course,
0: year. with the same putter, with the failing grip and all that stuff too.
3: <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely that will never now, who's
0: the better golfer <laughs> between the two of you you or your husband
3: oh jeez well i know he's probably going to hear this eventually but um let's just say he has a better long game and i have a better short game and there are times when i have beat him um So I would say it's about even, but probably more times than not. Well, it sounds
0: like that would make a great group to go out and, you know, play around with a couple others. So, yeah.
3: Right. Right. We're pretty strong in a scramble. That's for sure. Now
0: who was the better golfer pre-college Elise, college Elise, or current Elise?
3: Oh gosh. Um, I would have to say pre-college. Uh, for sure. I think, uh, I really hit my stride my senior year and was playing really well. Uh, like I said, the first year or two into college, I just struggled a little bit with some swing changes. Um, and I started to pick it up my junior and senior year. Um, and now I wouldn't say I'm the greatest by any means. I say that I would say I play well, but I think it's also attributed to, um, less, uh, stress on you, you know, less uh, expectations, you're going out to have fun and play and not necessarily be, you know,
0: competitive. I'm going to use that line when I go out and play baseball with my son. Now it's just about fun, not being competitive and see what he comes out with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly. Right. Exactly right.
0: Finally here, and I have to word this question very carefully, because I know I can get myself in trouble here. But the best piece of advice that mm-hmm. you can give a young girl, person.
3: I like that. I like that. Um, I would say probably just, you know, cut yourself some slack. Uh, Don't be so hard on yourself and try to take time to appreciate where you're at in life. Um, You know, as you and I both know, college goes crazy fast and it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and not really see the forest from the trees but uh i think just just slow down and appreciate what you have because it'll be gone in a second and then you're going to spend a good majority of your life you know daydream about the good old college days so and don't be so hard on yep, yourself
0: yeah absolutely before you know it you're on a podcast on the alumni spotlight just like this <laughs> <laughs> Well, Elise, thank you so much for sharing uh, a part of your world and and your memories with us. We certainly appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck in in Johnstown with your company. That's uh, a fantastic opportunity with your new daughter. It sounds like it is Mm -hmm. a fantastic uh, place for you right now. So best of luck in all of that.
3: Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate you having me on. Everybody,
0: this has been Elise Duplin class of 2010 and former Capital University women's golfer. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to keep on moving forward here on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. we've reached the turn in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Grab a snack, take a time out, or refill your water bottle at this time. Or take this moment to subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you are listening on. Don't forget to turn on your notifications so that you never miss an episode. And use the Anchor app to leave us a message to let us know what you think of the show, or if you have an idea that you think we should explore for a future episode. As always please and thank you. It's now time for the back nine of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast, where we talk about the 40th anniversary of a historic end to the Cap Men's Golf Team's season, followed by our feature spotlight with Sidney Kelly.
1: Four...
0: All right, friends and fans of the purple and white, it is time for today's feature story for today's episode. We have a pretty significant event that we feel is incredibly worthy of recognition, and the timeliness of it couldn't be more perfect. Forty years ago to the week, Capital University Men's Golf was on its way to Des Moines, Iowa, fresh off its first Ohio Conference, as it would be called back then, championship. Uh, They were off to the 1980 NCAA Division III Men's Golf Championships. The Crusaders made an incredible run through that championship and ended the tournament a top-five team in the country. We were hoping to have one of the members of that 1980 team join us to relive this experience, but it just didn't work out that way. So we brought in the next best thing, and that is Assistant Sports Information Director Ray Delgado. He is with us to talk about the story that he wrote reliving the Crusaders' journey through that season, which, by the way, is on our website, athletics.capital.edu. Ray, thanks for filling in. I mean, you wrote the story about the 1980 team winning a conference championship, its first, and then its run to finish fourth at the national tournament. Archives are, we'll call it under construction, but what did you learn about the numbers that were on paper uh, that revealed what we know about this team?
4: Well, Ryan, thanks for having me to to talk about this really awesome event. It's uh, something that was really cool to be able to research and look at. Um, In terms of, you know, on paper, uh, they were a really solid team. Uh, they played in eight tournaments uh, for the spring. Golf was only contested in the spring um, when in 1980. And they finished top four in all but one of them. And they, from those seven events that they finished in the top four, they won three of them, including their first OAC championship. And then individually, uh, it, this might not sound like that great a number, but Bill Stiepleton, one of the freshmen on the team, actually led – with a seventy-five and a half scoring average, and you know, if you think about that now, I know you're not not much of a uh, golfer, Ryan, but you know, seventy-five and a half does not sound that great. But that was that was very respectable back in 1980.
0: Well, that's still really respectable to me. That's way, way, way above where <laughs> I'm at right now. No matter what handicap you put on me, very so, true. <laughs> but I I know that that's a great um, that's a great score, uh, and you got the chance to talk to perhaps one of the top, if not top two golfers cap has ever had passed through its program, and that's Ken Weitzel. Compared to what the numbers told you, generally speaking, what more did you learn from Ken after your conversation with him?
4: Uh, Well, first off, Ken is is a really awesome guy, great to talk to. Uh, What he told me about the team was really that they were, again, a really solid team with just great veteran leadership. So actually Ken was a senior and there was another junior named Mark Stegner and they were both captains and the only upperclassmen on the team. Um, In the season prior in 1979, um, Ken finished fifth and Mark finished third in the OAC championship. So they were, they were no slouches themselves. Um, But when 1980 rolled around and the team brought in, a lot of freshmen and they just had mostly underclassmen uh, that the guys they brought in were just crazy talented. And the whole team, including the coach Whitey Regan was very, very surprised with what they had on their hands.
0: And that certainly came to fruition later as the year progressed, uh, you know, what can you tell us? I know that you said that they were pretty senior laden Um did Ken have any kind of juicy details that he could share about some of his teammates and maybe some of their adventures from that season?
4: Uh, nothing really about the season itself. He just kind of went on to explain that the few, most of the that starting five from the NCAA has actually stayed in golf. Um, there's, I excuse me, I can't remember the guys. Which guy did exactly what off the top of my head, um, but. One of them was the head coach at Xavier University. Uh, another uh, did scoreboard, um, actually, the calligraphy force for scoring golf um, for country clubs. He went into that. And then another gentleman went into um, actually selling golf supplies and things like that. So nothing specifically from that season, but really just that they they all stuck with golf in some form or fashion, which is is pretty crazy in itself for a Division Three program where, you know, they all, they all know from the outset that they're not going to do this with the rest of their life.
0: And one of those individuals, Greg Klein, actually came back to CAP and, and served as a head coach for many a year until Andy Garcia was elevated into the top spot. And so, you know, they even come back to the CAP fam, so to say, after so many years. Uh, this is Ray Delgado, the assistant Sports Information Director here at CAP. He's the one that did the story on the 1980 squad that won the Ohio Conference Championship and then took a deep run into the NCAA Tournament. Ray, the NCAA Tournament was held in Des Moines, Iowa. By all accounts, and I've made that trip before, it's not fun to drive, the Crusaders should have flown, but they didn't. And there was a pretty darn good reason why. Why was that, Ray? Well, it was uh, actually
4: interesting because they were coming off of their their OC championship, and they uh, had a choice because with that OC championship, they got an automatic bid to the NCAA championship. So with that, you get a stipend from the NCAA. And when you get that stipend, you can use that for whatever you'd like in regards to, you know, the tournament. So the head coach, uh, Whitey Regan, um, you know, gathered the team and said, hey, we can fly like basically every other team is going to. Or we can rent a van and get new uniforms. So from what uh, Ken had told me, the, the other teams that they played, really most of the other teams in the, the Ohio Conference, uh, were a little bit better off than they were. They, they already had those nice uniforms. They had the nice stuff going for them. And Cap was a little behind in that regard. So they really jumped at the opportunity to be able to, you know, show up and dress to the nines, ready to play. You know, at the the most important championship.
0: You know, they were going to play in. Hey, and some say that if you look good, you'll play good. Absolutely, and that's, that seemed to be the case for them. Uh, you know, and if that side story wasn't really interesting enough, there was also another one that kind of came out of your conversation that got people talking about capital before the tournament had even officially began. Tell us about that story that was shared with you.
4: Yeah, it was uh, very interesting because when they decided to drive to Des Moines, uh, they actually got there a day before everybody else. So they got to play uh, the course one day before everyone else did. So they actually got an extra practice round. But the next day when everyone did get there, they were going through their reps uh, during their practice round. The uh, cap team was playing all five together. They're playing in a fivesome, and on the 11th hole, uh, it was a par five, dogleg left. Uh, it was reachable in two. Uh, the all the players, you know, they to try to hit as long as they could on their first shot, and they uh, all tried to get to the green on their second shot. So they all, you know, pulled out their their woods or their long irons to try and get there. And after they will hit their shots, they're walking up to the green and they're trying to find their balls. Well, Ken was looking around for five minutes, ten minutes, just could not find his ball. And, and he was getting really, really mad at himself from what he told me. And then one of his teammates walks up to the pin, looks down, and there's his ball just hanging out in the hole for a double eagle.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and if a double eagle doesn't get someone talking, then uh, there's something wrong. But yeah, like that seems like that that story kind of overshadowed kind of all of the the pomp and circumstance leading into the tournament.
4: Yeah, it was funny because Ken told me that later that night, for it's customary for all the NCAA championships where you have a player's dinner uh, the night before the first round. So at the player's dinner, they um, actually brought that up that he had a double eagle Well, there was another player from a different team who actually had a hole-in-one on one of the holes. And Ken said that his double eagle actually overshadowed this kid's hole-in-one. No one cared about the hole-in-one. They only cared about his double eagle.
0: I mean, I would too. (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to lie. (laughs) Not going to lie there. Uh, before we get into the specifics of the the tournament itself, can you tell us about the field size of the tournament and maybe just rattle off some of those names? Uh, you mentioned a few already, but who was the Capital starting lineup?
4: Yeah, so the field size for the NCAA Championships was twenty teams. Uh, they were from all across the country, as you can imagine. Uh, the starting five for Capital was Ken Wexel or Weixel, sorry, the uh, senior captain. Uh, next was Mark Stegner, the other captain. He was a junior. And then you had Greg Klein, Doug Steiner, and Bill Stiebelton, who's a freshman.
0: And some of those names would go on to um, continue to pour on accolades throughout the course of their career, not just in 1980. We're talking with Assistant Sports Information Director Ray Delgado, who is also the author of the piece that is located on our website which commemorates and celebrates the 40th anniversary of this deep NCAA run in the golf program's first OC championship. And it still sounds so weird to say that, the <laughs> OC championship, uh, but that's the way that it was back then. All right, right. so free forum time. Um, the Crusaders began their run through the tournament the day after that customary uh, team dinner. Take us through the first two days of the tournament. Uh, talk about the way that it all started for the Crusaders. Well,
4: the course they were playing was called the Willow Creek Golf Course. Like you said, it was in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. And from what I could gather, it was really not a long course. So it really played to teams that could place the ball pretty well. And from what I gleaned, that seemed to be capital. Um, through uh, day one, uh, they, they didn't get off to the best of starts. Um, they were... Basically, you know, i probably pretty daunted by, by the task because, you know, the, the course wasn't quite as long as maybe some others, but it was no, no less difficult than others. So on the first day, they turned in four scores of 76. Uh, so that was from Greg Klein, Bill Stebelton, Mark Stegner, and Ken Weitzel, and that put them in eighth place. Uh, they were already 11 shots back of the will-be, would-be winner, um, the California State University's Stanislaus, I think is how you say that. Um, but still definitely in the thick of things. Uh, the second day, they uh, seemed like they kind of steeled themselves and, and found their resolve and uh, moved up with a couple spots. Uh, Bill Steebleton, again, the freshman uh, who would go on to be an All-American that year, uh, he shot 72 on the par 71 course. So that's one over. And he was actually in third place after the second round. Um, And then the team posted a total of 298, um, which put them into a tie for sixth place after two rounds.
0: So that's how it went into the, we'll call it the turn of the tournament, so to say. Uh, And then the last two rounds, uh, you know, it was actually kind of ironic because as I remember, one of Capitol's best wasn't even factored, factored into the final day. And if you ask Andy Garcia, depth on a team is probably one of the best assets you can have. And so it was with the 1980 squad. Others stepped up. Talk about the last round and Capitals' ascension to where they would finish.
4: Yeah. So uh, first for the third round, they they shot a respectable 301, which after that put them squarely in, in sixth place where they started uh, the day. Um, and Stebelton actually shot, again, another respectable round of 73 uh, to put him in a tie for 11th. Um, when they were heading into that final day, like I said, they're tied for sixth place. And um, it was a, another just beautiful day for golf. The whole weekend was. Um, and yeah, like you said, Bill Stiebelton, uh shot a 78, uh, which really was not not a good score uh, for them, especially in the the level of, of uh, talent that they were up against. Um, so, you know, their best guy shoots a 78. And what does everyone else do? They shoot, they, they take him, they take his spot, basically. Uh, Ken Weitzel and Greg Klein both shot 72 on the last day. Uh, Stegner shot 75 and Doug Steiner shot 74. So at the very least, they shaved three strokes off their score if they would have had to count Bill's. And like you said, with depth, that's just something else. Um, Ken had mentioned earlier in the season uh, at the time they played what was called play six, count five. So you play six golfers and count five of their scores. So you drop the highest score. Not until the Ohio, uh, Ohio Conference Championship and the NCAA championship did they actually play uh, count Five, count four. So they actually had to drop their sixth man who had contributed all year long. So their depth was at least six guys deep. So having you know their best really take a, take a dive for one of the rounds really didn't, uh, didn't hurt them too much because it eventually shot them up the leaderboard a couple extra spots and they finished in, in fourth place.
0: So a fourth place finish at the national tournament, that's the, the best that any cap golf team has ever placed um and so a, a great kudos to them in what is the 40th anniversary of that big run that ironically would have happened 40 years ago to the week um and so with that you pair an oc championship um the rings are actually in a picture on the story that is located online athletics.capital.edu uh, ray what do you think of the rings i mean you saw them the, the photos are there how do they rank
4: I think they're pretty sweet, honestly. I mean, they've got the the cool, I assume to be probably a purple stone on top with the OC champions on top. And then on one of the sides, they, they included their NCAA finish. So it's the NCAA in the fourth place. And on the other side, it's got the capital seal. I mean, I think they're pretty sweet. I don't know about you.
0: No, I thought, I mean, you know, especially when you think about a 40-year-old ring and especially compared to what. Super Bowl rings look like because that's the ring that we all think of in sports I think um they were really kind of up there for the times I thought yeah
4: I mean it it looked like they dropped some some pretty good money on these to make sure that no one forgot
0: this was a big deal and it is a big deal especially in capital history And, and Ray you know you got to talk to Ken Weichel of all the things that you talked about and all the things that you learned, is there something, whether it was in this story or not, that you kind of took away and just thought that maybe this is one of those hidden gems of storytelling that Ken shared with you?
4: I mean, honestly, just the whole thing, you can tell that he he really loved playing with, with his teammates and loved being able to play with um, the guys that he did. He actually – played in three different NCAA championships. So he went in 80, 79 and 77, the teams that, that he was on. Um, and it sounded like they the other two teams are the ones that from his freshman to junior year, you know, just kind of weren't there yet. And when he hit a senior year, him and Mark Stegner were ready for it. And then Bill Stievelton as part of that freshman class really helped push him over the edge. And it sounded like just as a whole, they just had a lot of fun. And he really loved being part of that team.
0: Well, we're certainly glad that he was at the helm of that team as far as senior leadership goes. Whitey Reagan, the head coach of that team and, and all of the Crusaders in that season, whether you played one through six or beyond, uh, contributed to what was a masterful run all the way to an OC championship and a fourth place NCAA championship finish for the full story so excellently written by ray go to athletics.capital.edu you'll learn a lot about a team that had not only one of the best team finishes and made a splash in the program's history but also see some of their performance of what would be some of the most decorated athletes to come through capital thanks ray for all of your hard work on this piece again excellently done there
4: Thank you. I really appreciate it. It it really was a lot of fun to be able to delve into the history like this and talk to someone who was actually there.
0: It kind of feels like you're the uh, Jason Herrera, the director of The Last Dance on this interview, getting, <laughs> you know, putting your spotlight on you.
4: <laughs> hey man, you got to get it where you can. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. So from uh from all the way uh, over in Springfield, Ohio, for Ray Delgado, I'm Ryan Gasser putting the bow on this 40th anniversary story of the 1980 men's golf team thanks ray once again and also a special thank you to mr ken weichsel class of 1980 for the time and personal testimony of that incredible crusader run which again you can read on our website athletics.capital.edu we're going to take a short break and then we'll bring it back for the second half of the forward capital crusaders podcast <music> Crusader fans, it's time to get into today's senior spotlight. And today we head to the links. We're going to talk with senior Sidney Kelly. And Sid, you know, definitely not the way that we thought that this uh, year was going to end. However, it sounds like uh, you were telling me that uh, life is a little bit hectic because you are kind of being an unofficial nanny of sorts right now.
2: Yeah, but my sister allows me to lock myself in my room during class time so i don't get screaming boys half the time (laughs) sometimes depends if they escape upstairs
0: (laughs) and they're really good at doing that too they have ways to find them in places you didn't think were possible isn't that true (laughs)
3: yes
0: (laughs) all right well let's go back to the beginning um how did you get into golf and when did you realize that this was something that you were you were pretty passionate about
2: uh i probably was around i started golf around four years old my dad would just take me to the driving range with him and i would just sit in his my car seat and one day i just got up and started hitting his clubs which is difficult because i was very small and he's a six foot man so
0: <laughs> all right well and as time goes on you you fall in love with the game you know at what point were you just like yeah i, I could really do this um you know maybe moving forward and into college
2: Uh, probably around sixth grade when I started looking at, when, uh, my middle school started reaching out to me about playing. So probably, yeah, around sixth grade, I started thinking about playing in college.
0: I mean, golf is one of those things that you, you, you either really, really love it, or it's one of those annoying sports that just make you more mad than it does relax you. For you, what was the thing about golf that made it, uh, made it click for you?
2: It it's really big thing that uh, it relaxes me. I de-stress very easily when I play golf. I get to go out whenever like I walk 18 holes. It just zones me out and I'm just in my own little world when I play. So it helps me escape. The world.
0: So what else did you play any other sports growing up? So what did you play?
2: Uh, I played T-ball until I was probably five and then soccer until middle school at the until 8th grade so
0: and then after that it was all golf all the time yes okay so you go and and you pursue this you realize that it that this is going to be a thing for you moving forward you know you kind of took uh the transfer route you started at Columbus, and um really well there so it's not like moving across the country as far as transferring goes but there's still new people a new team and finding your place tell me a little bit about that part of your journey starting there and moving into cap
2: uh i went to columbus state originally because i didn't have an idea about my degree so i just wanted like put my foot in the water and columbus state was fortunate enough when i was there to at least have a team my freshman year and then as I was playing in the different tournaments, I came across different teams and Capitals was one of the teams that I, I played against at some point. And a big decision for me to transfer to Capital was uh, I knew Katie Lease. She was a junior. She was a senior when I transferred in. I played with her in high school and Transferred to Capital also was a big deal because I could stay at home. I'm I like to save money, and staying at home saves a lot of money. And Capital is just a twenty minute drive for me. So, how
0: ironic! It wasn't that. Uh, sorry, uh, th- just how ironic is it that Katie Leese is the one that uh, that brought you in? Now she's an admissions counselor. It's like this is something that she does.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Katie Leese was one of the reasons. Another reason was Coach Garcia. Uh, I had two other schools, but Coach seemed to be the biggest contender because I spent close to 30 minutes to 40 minutes on the phone with him. Originally, when I was looking at teams, all the other coaches spent maybe 10 minutes on the phone with me. So he was a bigger, bigger push because I, I could tell that he really wanted to work with me.
0: Now, when you got to Capitol, you know I- – I don't know if the, the click happened before you got on campus or afterwards, but at what point in time did you realize that, yes, this was the right decision? I, I made the right call.
2: Mm, probably maybe the first week I started walking around campus, I got to explore more since I am a commuter. Uh, just seeing how my professors were very nice Uh i clicked with so many people it's such i like a small apple is like a small community community with bexley and i like how when lunch happened i could just walk off into bexley and find food easily it was just like the smallness and where i could walk to was very accessible for me
0: we're talking with sydney kelly senior on the women's golf team at capital university and and sydney You know, unfortunately, we don't get a chance to really watch you play. We can't live stream a lot of golf events. You guys take your show on the road quite a bit. So for those that don't get to watch you a lot, uh, take us through your style of play. What, What are your strengths and what's your typical approach?
2: My strength is probably around the green when I'm chipping and putting. That usually makes up. I'm not a long hitter compared to some of my teammates. My weaknesses are probably drives. And if I get into the trees, I don't know how to get out of the trees. Uh, my style of play is that I just kind of take it as I go. I have a very chill attitude on the golf course. I just kind of walk to my ball, enjoy uh, the time with the other players, and just kind of space out sometimes and just go into, like, a happy place when I play. And I rarely get frustrated on the golf course, which is really good, I guess. It's really hard to do that, but I don't know. Golf is just one of those sports that I found it zones me out.
0: Well, then you and I ends of the spectrum when i go out it is anything but stress-free so uh but you know just talk also about um you know you've been a part of some really good teams here at capitol one might even say that you and the squads you've been a part of have helped resurrect capital and uh, bring some really successful times here Uh, you've helped and been a part of teams that have set 18 and 36 whole records um and in your teammates supplanted you at top um the single round record here at Capitol. So is there a moment, a, a round or a tournament that maybe stands out to you amongst all of those?
2: Just one, there's many. I guess the biggest one I could talk about is then the tournament that we played in the fall at Youngstown, the division one tournament that we played last fall. It we were just a, the only Division Three team there. We beat a Division One school. We didn't come in last. No other Division Three team can say they beat a Division One school. And then Megan uh, shot her lowest out of 86, which is amazing for her. So I think a lot of memorable times happened in Youngstown.
0: Okay, well, that's certainly a really good one. And so for you individually, when you look back at your play, what one stands out?
2: Probably the two uh, matches that that we played in Baldwin Wallace, the two rounds where I tied the record for the first time and then broke the record the second time. That's probably the most memorable memorable time I have.
0: I would agree. I would agree for sure. Uh, you know what uh, you haven't had a, or what is something that you have done uh, that you probably would not have had the chance to do had it not been for your time at Capitol?
2: Have done uh, traveling around most golf teams. I, I got to go to Tennessee, Indiana, Alabama, North Carolina. I think South Carolina. I think I got all the states. So just traveling and getting to play at different courses, uh, mainly in the south that I would be able to do at other st- schools right now. Okay.
0: We're talking with Sydney Kelly, senior on the women's golf team at Capitol University and our senior spotlight on Forward Capital Crusaders. And so, Sydney, we're going to take you through a couple quick hitters here, uh, get to learn a little bit more about you um, off the links a little bit. So you are probably a sports fan. Do you have a favorite team or athlete that you enjoy following?
2: Uh, favorite team would probably be For the NFL, that would either be New York Giants or the Panthers.
0: Uh, Any particular athletes that you enjoy following as well?
2: Athletes will be Tiger Woods, uh, Ricky Fowler. That's pretty much it. Oh, and Jason Day. I should have
0: known that they were going to come from the golf course. (laughs) Uh, yeah. if, if you could pick someone influential to share a meal and a conversation with, who would it be and why?
2: Wow, that's a good one. Wow, I would switch over to basketball and probably say LeBron James would be a good person. He just seems to have a lot of influence in the world. All right. And he have done some good. I also would say Kobe Bryant, but that's
0: kind of too late. <laughs> well, if you make any of those reservations, you let me know because I'd love to get in on those as well. Uh, so we're gonna go okay. back. To the, we're gonna go back to the links. So, what's your favorite club to hit, and why?
2: Favorite club to hit is probably my seven iron. It's my most reliable cl- uh, club. It's always going straight. So I know where it's going every single
0: time. <laughs> What's the favorite course that you've played on so far and why?
2: Uh I would say probably. Hmm, that's a hard one. I would say Cooks Creek, which is in Ohio. I uh played my lowest round in middle school there, which was a 76.
0: Oh, wow, okay. And if you could Pick any course. What would be your dream course that you want to play on one day?
2: Oh, gee, that's a lot. Uh, We got to visit Pinehurst though the spring break because we got to leave at least then. But I never got to play on their actual uh, course at Pinehurst. Pinehurst. So probably Pinehurst. Okay.
0: Here's a would-you-rather question. Would-you-rather play through wind and rain a hazard riddled course or putt with the club upside down through the entire round uh,
2: i'll try the putting with the upside down club the entire time that would make things interesting now,
0: now see if you did that we would probably come out and live stream that that would be good good uh, stuff for for the website there I could try it. (laughs) So that late, I've uh, kind of experienced some putt-putt courses in which they issue some challenges. And that's where I got that from. So is it a stigma at all to assume that golfers, all golfers, are fans of putt-putt and enjoy doing that?
2: I would say for the capital team, yes. I know some golfers who don't find putt-putt fun. (laughs)
0: Now, what about you? Do you enjoy going out and firing off a round of eighteen at the putt putt course?
2: Uh, I'm a big hustler when it comes to that, uh-huh. so yes, I pretend I'm not good, and then the second time around, I usually destroy everyone. So
0: <laughs> that is that's pretty good. So, I mean, are you a, a putt putt course aficionado, or do you just kind of go wherever the team goes?
2: It it depends. I just go with the flow. I just go wherever someone takes me at this point.
0: (laughs) That is good to know. All right. So um, if you were training at home or, um, you know, going out, what's the best tactic to train at home in order to keep your game sharp?
2: To train at home, uh, don't push yourself, I would say. Uh, Don't overdo it. if you – if you keep practicing the same bad swing over and over again, you're never going to get fix it. You're just going to get those bad habits in. So if you know you're not having a good day, just stop.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you don't mess up your swing.
0: Excellent. So who in your mind is the greatest golfer of all time?
2: Let's go close. So what's the arguments if my team listens to this? <laughs> um... I would say Jack Nicholson, Nicholas and Tiger Woods.
0: Okay. That would be interesting to see a head to head between the two of them just to kind of duke it out and finally get those bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you uh, are you big into sports movies in particular? Maybe some golf movies that you might have a favorite?
2: No. Uh, Caddyshack.
0: <laughs> a classic. All right. Yeah. All right um now we're gonna we're gonna kind of tone it back a little bit and get a little serious um what CAP staff member or professor has made the greatest impact on you over the course of your time here
2: there's two so there's my advisor and my professor uh V. Bowman he has helped me out a lot since I came to capitol And I could, I always feel like comfortable and able to go talk to him when I need help. And then also, Coach Garcia has been a big help. He treats uh, everyone like family on the team. He makes the team feel like family. Some teams I've been on, I felt like I didn't belong. But Coach makes sure that you're part of this family, and he makes sure you know that he's here for us when we need him.
0: Certainly.
2: Even after when we leave.
0: Certainly, a, a distinct characteristic of being a part of the cap fan that's for certain uh we're finishing up here with sydney kelly of the women's golf team on our senior spotlight and forward capital crusaders and so uh, sydney if you were to give a piece of advice to someone that was considering capital or maybe a younger crusader on the team uh, what would that piece of advice be
2: uh don't give up uh sometimes college is difficult and you might feel left out. You might miss your family if you're far away. But it's, it gets better as uh, years go by. And it's all worth it at the end of it once you finally get that degree. It's just you have to find the right people around you to help you through it.
0: And speaking of that degree, tell us, what is it that you're studying and what degree will you be graduating with here soon?
2: I am part of the history program. I'll be graduating with a history degree.
0: Okay. And what do you plan on doing that? Do you have something lined up?
2: Um, not right now because of everything. I was originally planning just taking the summer off. Um, in the fall, I'm hoping to get an internship at a museum somewhere and then maybe go to grad school after a year or so.
0: Excellent. Okay. So when that first adult paycheck does come, what is the first thing that you're going to splurge on with that?
2: I know I'm a bad person at not saving money, so it most likely will go in my savings account, so I don't spend it. But if I could, and I probably will. It will probably go towards probably concert tickets. I like to go to concerts a lot,
0: so. Okay, what uh, what one is on your favorite or your your you know to see list? Any particular artists or groups?
2: I listen to uh, Korean music, so K-pop. So any Korean group that kind of comes around Ohio, I would probably go to. Maybe a group. Maybe Psy if he decides to come. The Gundam Scott style guy.
0: That is the one that I'm familiar yeah. with, but outside of that, you got me.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of groups I would like to see from the Korean from K pop. They
0: usually come through Columbus. I can't say that I've seen that on the shots list, but I could be wrong.
2: They, they go to Chicago and Detroit, so no one has come to Columbus just yet.
0: Okay. May, Columbus needs to get ready for that. So, all right. Yeah. Well, you are definitely the first person I've heard uh, that listens to K-pop. So you just never know what you're going to find out on these senior spotlights. But uh, we're glad that we did find that out. We're glad that you made Capital your home here uh, for the last couple of years, and and really want to thank you for everything that you've given the program and given Capital University Sydney. And we wish you the best of luck uh, moving forward. So. Um, Again, good luck, and thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. Uh, This has been Sydney Kelly, the senior on the Capital Women's Golf Team, in today's edition of our Senior Spotlight. We'll keep on moving along as we progress to the end of Forward Capital Crusaders. Time to head back to the clubhouse and turn in our scorecards as we wrap up Episode 8 of Forward Capital Crusaders. Before we head out, a few announcements. If you have a story idea or a lead for a future episode or some feedback of the show, hop on the Anchor app and leave us a message using the voice message feature. We'd love to hear from you. Our next episode will be Tuesday, June 2nd, and from there, we will be putting out episodes every other week. The lineup may get tweaked too, so set your notifications and reminders so you don't miss our next episode. Lastly, we ask that you please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating if you like the show. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Cat Fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Stay safe, everyone.